0: Sitting in the morning sun, I'll be sitting in the evening sun, watching the ships roll in. And then I'll watch them roll away again. Yeah. I'm sitting on the dock of the day, watching the tide. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody to another episode of Justified Pursuit. This is episode 12. Time flies when you're having fun alongside uh, my co-host here, Chisholm Cook. I can't believe we're already at uh, episode 12, man. I know, we're we're rocking and rolling, man. Yeah, good times, good times. Uh, Sorry about the audio last week. I I know we had a couple people, including Chisholm, who goes back and re-listens to everything we say. Uh, I haven't even re-listened to one of our episodes, buddy. So thanks for doing that. Yep, <laughs> that's that's
1: that's as expected. Sure. Yeah. Um. I, you know, the main reason I do it is to make sure that we've got, uh, you know, the show notes squared away, and particularly if we goof up and flat out miss something or conflate some things, like we've talked about. You know, I want to make sure that we're not just throwing out there
0: bullshit and not correcting it. So. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, I, I, I do the editing, so I kind of get there to – I listen to it twice, I guess, in yeah. that medium. But, right. Um, so anyway, I think we've got that sorted out. Um, so thanks for your patience as we still are working out a few minor kinks here. Um, but you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, of course, our website, justifiedpursuit.com. Uh, do leave us a review. Five stars, please. Uh, is, that, uh, is that kosher to just ask people to give you a great review?
1: Well, literally (laughs) every podcast I listen to does the same thing. So Uh uh, it seems
0: beyond kosher. It seems to be the standard. The norm? Okay. All right. Well, today we've got an an interesting topic. Uh, Thankfully, we're going to get away from uh, American politics for a little bit as that shit show continues. Well, I mean, (laughs) at at least the election. Okay.
1: There there you go. (laughs) Getting away from that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're going to talk about. Expanding human population and measures that governments have put in place to restrict their populations from continuing to grow exponentially. Uh and then propaganda. And where this stems from for me is to be frank with you, Chisholm, I don't really give a shit. What's going on in China? Maybe that paints me as having this really selfish worldview. I don't know. I don't but again, I don't care. I'm concerned about my kids, what's going on in my country. And I don't really look at China as anything other than a threat, to be frank. So when I saw this here on American soil, this propaganda, that's when it raised a red flag for me uh, through this organization called One Planet, One Child. And we're going to get to that group here as we make headway throughout this topic. But historically, I think we need to kind of go back to the beginning and, and do take a global look at this um i'm sure you're familiar with mao Zedong. yeah yeah i'm certainly aware of him and
1: you know somewhat familiar with him i know that uh he ushered in one hell of a bloody uh communist revolution in china and yeah there are uh communist revolutionaries in the pacific northwest referring to themselves as Maoists. yep yep
0: so yeah he um was the founder of the People's Republic of China and was in power from 1949 until his death in 1976. <laughs> the, <Self-descri-> People's Re- <laughs> the People's Republic had one leader for almost 30 years. <laughs> right. Is it? That's kind of an oxymoron, right? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Marxist and Leninist at heart, his overall school of thought became known as Maoism. Uh, highlights include being labeled as autocratic and totalitarian. He's known for bringing about mass repression, destroying religious and cultural artifacts and sites, and additionally, the deaths of 40 to 80 million people through starvation, persecution, prison labor, and, of course, mass executions. Sounds like a hell of a guy, right? Yeah, he's a peach, man. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty swell. Under his regime, birth rates in China fell from 37 per thousand to 20 per thousand. But here's the weird thing. is like at the beginning of his... Reign of Terror, uh, like up into the mid '60s, Chinese families were encouraged to have as many kids as p- possible. Why would that be?
1: Um, probably so they could indoctrinate those children, um, because they were going to eliminate a bunch of their parents. Right. <laughs> That's right. my guess.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, and and Mao believed it would help China um, ascend into a world power. You know, they needed to have mm-hmm. these kids for the future, like you said. But but then. I guess he accomplished his goal because by 1970 Chinese citizens were required to marry later in life and they had adopted a one child policy per family by the mid seventies. So like totally walked it back. (laughs) And now he's saying, okay, now we have, we've, I guess accomplished our population goal. Now we're going to tell you how many kids you can and can't have only exception at the time being like rural families could still have, two children there were a lot of unforeseen consequences however like in the one that stands out to me in, in researching this topic uh so you have these these kids from the 70s they grow up and by like 2005 to 2010 there's like this serious issue because you have only only children try to take care of two parents aging parents and then possibly up to four grandparents all on their uh communist salary whatever that may be so think about that and that's insane yeah that's (laughs) uh this is called uh, unintended consequences right right but that's asian culture is like the the they don't really have old folks homes like right and maybe that's sad that we do that in america like my grandmother right now is in a nursing home and because of covid she can't even like come to family thanksgiving she's in lockdown can't leave her place we can't go see her it's nuts but that's where she is and I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the amount that Americans work, like who's going to be there to take care of them. Well, the only way we can do that is if we go to work and then we pay someone else to take care of them. So it's really, it is kind of tragic. Maybe Asian culture has it right. I don't know. But the point is you've got one kid trying to take care of now up to six people on one salary. And so by like, uh, I think 2009, they passed a law that this is crazy. If uh, a family, um, if both parents were only children, they could have two kids <laughs> to prevent this from happening.
1: I, so I'm I'm so glad that you did uh, uh, some heavy research on this because a lot of what you're telling me <laughs> is news to me and it's just not particularly shocking, I guess. But um, I, I mean, that's just like big government defined, right? Like having to make all of these rules so specific like that i mean how are you going to yeah. ensure compliance with that it, it sound these sound a lot to me like the rules that we talked about that california has put out there for dealing with covid i mean i know that they are kind of different arenas but you know just the specificity of having to go through like uh, okay well, well you're allowed to have two but you're only allowed to have one and there's 1.2 billion people there but
0: <laughs> yeah. Well and you go back to the rural communities they could have two even even like into I think in researching it they were never given that restriction of one child because of like that uh that that grace for the the rural grace that's sad to say but you, oh you can have two kids okay. Uh but because of that clause like the birth rate in China actually is like closer to 1.8 children per family. This is pretty sad. But this is the reality of how they enforced it. Financial penalties for for families that didn't adhere to the one child policy iud's surgically inserted into all women after first child equaling uh, 324 million iud's that were, were inserted surgically from 1984 to 2014 tubal ligation after the second child mandatory you're getting your tubes tied if you have a second child that was 108 million women Did these women were happy about it In reading this th- there was there wasn't a lot of goodwill from these women that had to have these surgeries, uh, forced on them by the Chinese government. So there was, it's not like the Chinese populace was like, yay, this is so great. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Keep
1: going, man. I, I've got some thoughts more locally, um, where there's a good, a good amount of, uh, overlap between some
0: of our policies in the U S and, uh, what you're describing here. Or at least so,
1: at, at least a roadmap to them.
0: Yeah. So that so those those surgeries forced on, on women. Um, fast forward to 2020, and China has like I guess gotten I guess on board with more modern <laughs> philosophies, and and they can have three kids now, uh, which was I did not know that until I was researching. So they can actually have three kids now. But guess what? All of those surgeries, uh, the uh, IUDs, the tubal ligations. If the woman today wants those reversed, the Chinese government is doing it on their dime. So I found that wow, interesting. Really? I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. But again, that's just a terrible policy. You you did all these things to these women, and now you're having to pay to reverse it if they so choose to do so. We saw this spread from it, this wasn't just unique to China. Vietnam has fi- a 50 year history of of uh, population control, uh, two child max for a half century. India, more than two children and parents are ineligible for governmental jobs. And in seven Indian states, and I'm not real familiar with India by any stretch of the imagination, but in seven of their states, couples with more than two children cannot vote. Think about that. Wow. Yeah, you cannot vote. Uh, Iran, they, re- they, they basically rewrote Islam because they came out and said, Islam favors families with only two children. um and you you go going back to as we've talked about we're both uh reading 1984 i think i'm like a third of the way through now read some more last night Uh, but going back to what we know about Mao and how he destroyed religious or cultural artifacts or worship sites dude that's totally consistent with what what we see big brother doing in in this book 1984
1: right i mean you, you have to 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 deliver this this new era you have to destroy the previous era entirely there can't be yeah. any touch points or hallmarks to the past because <laughs> because once you're 20 years into this experiment everybody's going to be so miserable they're going to be dying for a better option and they may just they don't want them to be able to just look back to 30 years earlier when things were normal that's my how do you
0: uh, how do you think that stacks up with or i think we talked about this way back at the beginning but all of the statues being torn down in our country totally i mean it is it is a form of maoism i think i want to say i've mentioned this on the
1: podcast so if i'm repeating myself i apologize um i'll definitely include some show notes but uh i know i've talked about the weinstein brothers these these two guys one named brett weinstein who is the center sort of focal point of this Maoist style revolution on a college campus in Oregon and then his his brother Eric who's like a second or third in, in command at Peter Thiel's Thiel Capital Group they're brilliant 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 guys and uh, they both consider themselves pretty hard left yep but they go on um, lots of different uh, centrist and, and even some straight up conservative uh, uh, intellectual you know, podcasts and things because they're afraid of this this pending you know socialist revolution that's going on and the you know attack on freedom of speech in particular etc anyway i i think he was on with actually with ted cruz um Hmm. and and uh, ben shapiro's partner one of those guys at ben shapiro's group and described what was happening in the pacific northwest in particular you know in, in portland antifa stuff and everything as uh as a strain of of Maoism and he pointed to uh, Mao's red guard, which did a lot of what you just described, but in, you know, what, what you left off, I guess, was, you know, not only religious and and sort of cultural uh, heritage desecration of those types of things, Mm -hmm. but also educational, like they, the red guard obliterated. uh, And and by obliterated, I I literally mean, you know, in at least one context, just, just murdering, you know, by the hundreds, possibly thousands, uh, professors who had taught the old ways, right? Yeah. And going to Confucius's grave sites and scattering his his bones to the wind, as well as all known relatives of him, Confucius. Hmm. You know, this one of the you know, wisest sages that that we have in the history of yep. humanity. We still quote the man today. The Chinese Red Guard Mao decided that he needed to be wiped from the face of the earth. So. What they're doing with instances like the Brett Weinstein saga at at Oregon or, you know, attacks on the very concept of gender and, you know, calling science uh, oppressive, right, and saying math is oppressive (laughs) and math needs to be reworked. this
0: is the party of science if you watch the presidential (sighs) elections.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they they, they say math is... Do things
0: based off science. Oh, my God.
1: Okay. They're now saying that, like, the STEM fields are are, uh, racist because there aren't enough minorities going to STEM programs and all of that stuff uh, calling logic itself, Western, in other words, like Greco Roman, you know, logic and reasoning, uh, you know, tools of patriarchal oppression. These are all, these are all Maoist attacks on just the entire foundation of our, of our society, but particularly the thought foundation, the, the intellectual foundation. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, to, to, to answer it directly it's happening now it's not it's happening in pockets but it's it's growing and you know it's particularly blatant and obvious up there in the pacific northwest where they actually shut down streets and you know crack people's heads open with bottles full of uh concrete but you know what we talked about in the last episode which one was the abigail Shire one the last one whichever Uh, nine or ten yeah it was ten i I think a couple ago um you know, they're just, they're attacking basic norms um, through social media, through traditional media, you know, through legislative processes
0: uh, at the state and federal level. Mm-hmm. Um, taking this a step further, I, I saw this alarming tweet from AOC today, I, and I posted it on our Justified Pursuit Instagram. Uh, she tweeted out on November 6th. Is anyone archiving these Trump psychophants for when they try to downplay or deny their complicity in the future? I foresee decent probability of many deleted tweets, writings, photos in the future. I found that to be very disturbing, abhorrently even. Like, I, and I don't see Twitter putting a, a fact checker or any kind of like notification that this could be possible hate speech. No, it's just it goes unchecked. Nobody gives a shit because it's from her, it's from the left, and obviously big tech runs. They control just the flow of, of information in general today, more so than than the news media. It makes me think about the Jews wearing stars, forced onto them by the Germans because you know they're keeping a list. And something like this, I, I, don't, think it's, I, I don't think it's far-fetched to say this is the beginning of a movement like that where if you voted for Trump you know you're ostracized you're put on this list and this can be used against you in the future
1: uh, it's started i mean i don't know when it truly started you could go all the way back to mccarthyism i guess when it was going the other direction and uh you know conservatives i guess were uh listing out hollywood uh marxists but you know more recently obama uh, in his administration, particularly through the IRS, targeted uh, Tea Party like uh, 501c3 nonprofits. Um, they, they, they were keeping lists, um, at least certain lists for specific purposes. But yeah, that, basically, you know, they were they were auditing um, through the IRS uh, adversarial groups. I, I don't honestly know what came of it. I don't as I understand it, it was a, in, intentional um targeted um and you know un, un- unwarranted in at least the vast majority of cases so uh, yeah the, the, this isn't that new i mean in you know firearms registrations are an, another kind of example of this right mm. getting back to another one of our favorite I lost topics. all my firearms in a recent boating accident so. <laughs> right yeah. you know why why do they want a list of every firearm why do they want universal background background checks for private sales so, they know what you own and where it is. Yep. That's all there yep. is to it. And they can make a, a million ancillary reasons, but that's the ultimate reason. Big brother. Because when welcome. Beto comes for your AR 15, he's got to know where you're keeping it. Exactly. He's got to know you have one and he's got to know where it is.
0: Yeah, it's disturbing. Um, and here's the most disturbing thing about that, uh, that tweet was that it got, it's got 350,000 likes. That's like, and and i i read through some of the comments that i just had to quit because i mean some people are like saying yeah you should, we should put tattoos on their necks so that we can see it in plain daylight i mean that's the and, and these people weren't saying it in jest dude this is what they actually actually believe and they they think AOC is some kind of leader that deserves respect <laughs> and that her opinion carries clout uh, you know the the
1: fact that she and ilhan omar you know A- AOC Born in the United States, right? And she got, I don't know, some kind of public policy degree and and maybe even a master's, and that didn't get her anything, but um, a job as a barista, basically, or a bartender, whichever one it was, maybe both. Um, She jumped straight from there to the United States Congress. Ilhan Omar fled Somalia as a refugee, um, where she was basically threatened with, you know, torturous death. Yeah, came to the states and got herself elected to Congress, and both of them think that this place is awful and needs to be burned to the ground and replaced with a socialist utopia. It's like the only How place does this someone that fled Somalia here for this, freedom
0: and believe in in that philosophy. That isn't even. I can't even connect the dots there. That's like someone that left yeah. Venezuela saying, "Oh yeah, by the way, let's vote for socialism." Right? It worked out so well in Venezuela. their hypocrisy knows no bounds yeah well and i might get flamed for this but i mean essentially new york just elected a set of boobs uh when they put (laughs) i mean like oh aoc yeah she's a good-looking girl let's vote for her like
1: No I mean unfortunately her district is actually a bunch of socialists because they live down in Manhattan and they don't know like we talked about last time how to do anything for themselves they want the government to run everything the really funny thing is that the city of New York and the state of New York already do what I don't understand is why these effing socialists think it's necessary to spread this on every square inch of the country Mm -hmm. keep it local. Have your little socialism. Seems to be working out great for y'all. You can tell by California, their uh, education system plummeted from like first in the country 30 to 40 years ago to
0: 49th. Keep it up. Y'all are doing great. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, okay. So we talked about kind of the the worldview on this uh, one child ideology. And I thought, you know, growing up as a kid, Chisholm, I had friends. I played sports with kids. I went to school with kids that were uh from one child families but uh and and please this is no knock on on them or their parents uh, maybe some of them were adopted maybe the, their parents couldn't have more kids maybe they didn't want more kids i don't know that's doesn't really matter but they they were always a little different some people call them spoiled Um, uh, it's oftentimes didn't seem like they had a lot of patience and i don't think that they were socialized like you were you have a sister I, i'm the oldest of four So, I mean, it was like a zoo at at times running around our house with four kids. But back then, so in like 1975, mid-70s, 11% of women only had one child. By 2015, that's 22%. And this is in America. So that tells me that like Americans are doing this on their own already, whether that's because couples are getting married later in life, which is a fact maybe it's financial implications they can only afford one child maybe they only want one child whatever the case a lot of times women are having one child on their own they don't even get married and I I bet as a kid Chisholm you noticed that those interactions were maybe a little different from someone else that had a couple siblings
1: yeah again studies on this matter abound there's um, lots of lots of data on some of the differences between solo kids, what's, what's the word for that? Um, you know, kids raised in single parent households versus kids with siblings. I mean, even there's, there's even data and studies on the differences between kids from multi-child households and households in terms of when they were born. So, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely makes a difference. And I think, um, I've had this theory that I've been kicking around for a little while that, there's a there's a subset of society, and I think it overlaps pretty well with uh, the left end of the political spectrum, that seems to really believe in population control, uh, generally speaking. Right. Um, and I think there are a number of initiatives that they undertake that all seem to be geared to that. Um, I think that the religion of climate change is probably one of the, Kind of primary drivers in, in modern context mm-hmm. but you can go back not very far into <laughs> the last century uh, into what I think we would all agree would be you know like modern America and find where progressives um, have always been interested in and you know, we detailed some of this on the reparations uh, pod represent reparations episode you know mm-hmm. things like forced sterilization um, progressives in America have always been about, you know, changing societal demographics through, uh, you know, through child rearing and, and and who gets to do that in numbers. Like I think that particularly, I, I mentioned how reparations were paid to some people in North Carolina who were forcibly sterilized, like what yeah. you dist- detailed in China. Mm-hmm. And I've I have touched on that this happened
0: in our country. Well. <laughs> So I touched on this once
1: in passing and said, we'd get back to it and seems to be the right context for it. Planned Parenthood was founded by a woman named Margaret Sanger, a known eugenicist. Let me read you a few quotes of, uh, (laughs) the great and powerful Margaret Sanger. The most merciful thing that a family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. This is off of, so if you just Google Margaret Sanger quotes, yeah Uh, at the top google has a little you know you know like when you when you ask something kind of specific google will have like its own sort of formatted sort of response at the top so this is a quote box of different quotes so that's the first the next is a free race cannot be born of slave mothers so this has a lot to do with Planned Parenthood's uh, targeting of of the American Black community that that particular quote related to that. Uh, let's see. And the last one is when motherhood becomes the fruit of deep of a deep yearning, not the result of ignorance or accident. Its children will become the foundation of a new race. This woman it was trying to engineer society through who got to breed and bring children to term. She created Planned Parenthood. They stick Planned Parenthood in mostly. Uh, you know poor destitute communities particularly you know poor black communities but but really all poor black poor poor communities I'm sorry Mm -hmm. because their desire for going on 70 or 80 years was to like I said steer society towards certain kinds of people and uh, uh, desirables was the word used by progressives of the day right Mm -hmm. and Man, they don't, they're just not as open about it. So so this woman, Margaret Sanger, Planned Parenthood gave out an award for decades, the Margaret Sanger Award. You know who the second most recent recipient of the Margaret Sanger Award, an award, quote unquote, this is from Planned Parenthood's website, their highest honor, presented annually to recognize leadership, excellence, and outstanding contributions to the reproductive health and rights movement. Guess who the second-to-last recipient of this was?
0: Oh, God. I've got one. No one oh,
1: House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi.
0: Oh, okay. Perfect.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but in, incidentally, that was in 2014. Somebody named Dr. Willie Parker got it in 2015. They stopped giving it out in 2015 because they started getting a little bit of bad PR mm-hmm. that these people were being honored in the right. name of a
0: eugenicist. Killing babies? Right.
1: Right. So yeah. anyway... Uh, I mean, between what they do with Planned Parenthood and what they're doing with this trans transgender thing we talked about, which is f- which is sterilization of those children. I mean, you may not argue it's forcibly. You certainly could argue it doesn't have anything to do with uh, population control, but that's the outcome. Yeah. So there's that. There's the Planned Parenthood stuff. There's the climate change thing, which they make it abundantly clear is just a problem with humanity in general. We tear, we destroy, and you know. <laughs> if they are successful in eliminating all carbon emissions by twenty fifty or whatever AOC wants to do, they will reduce the rate. population, primarily through like starvation, uh people freezing to death, you know, maybe people dying of heat exhaustion, et cetera, et cetera. It right. <laughs> the left the left ha- the left doesn't they they claim as we always talk about to be the part of the side of tolerance and the side of empathy um but only if it suits their narrative and, and only to the extent that it applies to those who they agree with and the rest of the population they can just go out and again no, the rest the of the population is
0: going on the naughty list
1: that's right So yeah. eventually as we've seen in the Soviet Union, and then in China, and then North Korea, and in Venezuela, and, and Cuba, et cetera, et cetera. You get on that list because you're a dissident, you become one of the first, you you get placed in one of the first waves of concentration of, camps, oh, just murder. I mean, they, right. they just, they just get rid of those people. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, if you've got to centrally plan and, and pass out Russians. It's the best way to uh, oh. assure there's enough for whoever they, there's you a know. good
0: chance that you might be lucky and get, you know, get to go to a forced labor camp first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> would be your, uh, yeah. You, you and I would be lucky to end up in forced labor. Yeah. You know, going back to those numbers that I outlined though. So 1975, 11% of American women having one baby 2015, that's up to 22%. So people are doing this on their, they're kind of doing it on their own accord. Uh, Planned Parenthood might have a lot to do with that, but I think people are intentionally having less children. Women are having right. children by themselves, yeah. um, you know, just through in vitro or whatever. Um, but my wife and I talked about it before we got married, and I was like, yeah, I'd like to have two kids. She's like, I'd like to have three. Um, I'm the oldest of four kids, you know, so it was a freaking zoo at my house as a kid. Uh, and I think we, I think we learned a lot about life and, like, my... Closest brother and I, he's eighteen months younger, and I, we beat the shit out of each other, like almost daily. Um, we're best friends though, and and I wouldn't trade that for anything. Uh, those experiences and life lessons, um, socialization, but, you know, we see today, like I said, women are having intentionally less children, while that didn't affect you or I's marriages because we have three kids, you have four. Uh, it is, I mean, it is out there. People are taking notice, and I don't know if that's really an intentional thing or not. I, like I said, I wanted two, Aaron wanted three, and we got twins. And then I was kind of like, thanks, God. Like, thanks. You have a sense of humor, you know? Um, and then yeah, I she asked, won. The, yeah, and then I asked the, the sonogram technician where the liquor cabinet was. because uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and Aaron's like, well, don't you want to know the sex? And I was like, I already know they're girls. God's punishing me double time. Um for all those boobs I'd tried to get my hands on as a 17 year old. So uh he has a sense of humor, no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you got four girls. Yeah, well, uh, you so, must have tried uh, to grab more boobs than me. I mean, I was
1: no different than any <laughs> other young man. Um only <laughs> I only tried with those that were willing, I will say that. Yeah. Um of course. <laughs> The thing is, like, yeah, that the more educated our society has become and the more options that have become available to us to control these sorts of things, yeah, people look at it and they think, you know, money goes a lot farther when you've got a three person household than a six person household, in my case, or five in yours, right? And
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I think that there's a generation or two of, of American parents who felt that um, their kids would be better off if they could get all of their attention. And the truth is that most. Oh, science points to the fact that's that's not really the case. What you end up with was a is a child who, um, you know, got really too much attention and ended up a victim of of what we've talked about a couple times and we'll review it at some point. But the the book, um, "Coddling of the American Mind," right? You you mm-hmm. get these these kind of overprotective, protected, overparented, and again, <laughs> to anybody who's you know a, a single child. We're not, We're not talking about you. individuals right? right these are generalities backed by some level of data mm-hmm. um, please don't take it personally or be triggered by it but it just there's a lot that gets left out when it's just you and, and two parents there's you know there's just not as much time to be just left to your own devices to play and sort things out i mean that's definitely yeah. shows up when you talk about you know, kids being socialized, right, or, or, or not being socialized, learning how to work stuff out within, you know, a, a peer group. Anyway, uh,
0: my, my point is just, we're that- not taking some of those risks, uh, like we talked about right. in the transgender episode, like getting out there, it, you know, smoking a cigarette, having a drink, uh, exploring your sexuality, uh, those kind of things, you know, it's, they're stunted. Right. And those things uh, might, I mean, I think all parents would agree, I don't want my kids doing those things, right? I, my parents certainly didn't want me doing them. But it was kind of like, a rite of passage like that's growing up
2: for sure
1: yeah It i think that a lot of the folks that choose that particular path would say you know not only do they think it's what makes most sense for their family but i, I know um because when i was 21 years old i sort of thought this way um that, they, that they're doing the right thing for society by curbing population growth right mm-hmm. i mean you can hear it from time to time, you'll, you'll hear talking heads on, you know, left-leaning cable news outlets, which that's redundant in all, but one example. Um, mm-hmm. But they'll, you know, they'll, they'll basically like scoff at big families. Right. I mean, they, they act, they, they kind of have an attitude and air of like uh, only uneducated, you know, backwoods yeah rednecks or other sort of poor folks are out you know making lots of babies in modern society when you have options well you know dude at the end of the day how many kids my wife and i has just plain and simply is nobody's effing business but ours right period and you know anybody who takes issue with the fact that we made four more carbon producers you know and quadrupled our carbon footprint screw off Go forth and, you know, procreate. How's that phrase go? Go forth and multiply. Go forth and multiply.
0: Thank you. I don't know the Bible verse, but it is in there. Yeah,
1: Right. Yeah. I just, man, I, I feel like I came across, and I'll I'll Google it and make sure and definitely include it in the show notes, but I feel like I've come across a number of articles when, uh, the, when the Infinity Wars movies were coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were the biggest movies of a four or five year period as those two films rolled out, right? And, you know, for those who haven't seen it, the The bad guy in the Avengers universe Thanos snaps his he gets all of the infinity stones and he snaps his fingers and he eliminates half the universe's population in an instant. There were a lot of left leaning commentators uh and, and sort of like pop culture left leaning commentators who wrote about like they 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 wrote about that in a political context and how like The movie tries to make Thanos out to be somewhat of a sympathetic figure. He cares so much. He knows that the best thing for all of life in the universe is to have fewer people, right? Hmm. That's like, that is a leftist argument to a T. Right. Now, thankfully, you know, in in the movie, they don't really embrace it. He's the bad guy and the people come back. But then there were commentators writing like almost cheering on Thanos for his rationale and reasoning, right? Right. And applying it to modern day context, uh,
0: yeah. Uh, have you heard <laughs> of the uh, the British based organization called Birth Strike? <laughs> no. Okay. So in that same vein, these are these are folks who have vowed not to have children, but are by no means celibate. Like, and, and this is an organization based out of uh, Britain, founded by a uh, mid thirties lady, um, and, and they just can't. They can't justify bringing a child into what they are calling an eco-crisis in the world. But right. by no means are they not having sex. And to me, it's like a, a green light for abortion. Because that's, I mean, that's basically, they're pro-choice. They're pro so, obviously, you know, they're doing the same. They're not really making a sacrifice, is what I'm saying. They're not like a, a, a vow of celibacy that a priest takes. No, that, that is dedication. That is sacrifice. This is just, we're going to do all the things that feel good, but not be inconvenienced at the end of the day. And we're going to do it on this platform of saying we're saving the environment. So, uh, yeah, Birth Strike, interesting organization. Just to me, fatally flawed.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> I like your point about them not being willing to make any sacrifices other than, I guess, the sacrifice of an unborn child. Um <laughs> the human sacrifice. (laughs) uh, Well, I mean, right, but (laughs) we definitely know the left doesn't consider it a human. I would argue that that they are, but um, certainly at a certain point, you know, it kind of makes me think about, you know, I'm sure there's lots of people who would listen to us rant about, you know, when when I mention all the time, you know, what's the best way to assure if you've got to, you know, pass out rations that you have enough to go around, get rid of a bunch of mouths, Right. And then you'll be able right. to defeat the ones that are left. And I, I think a lot of people are like, oh, that's not gonna happen here. Da da, da da. But dude, the the grotesquely callous approach that the left now takes on this abortion issue. It was just twenty years ago that it was that the way they talked about it was quote necessary and rare. And they pretty much all agreed with the idea that that, you know, that Roe versus Wade kind of half-assed rule that somewhere around 18 weeks sounds like it's a reasonable place to start regulating it. That seemed to, you know, to sort of hold the day. And now it's like, we've talked about Clinton standing on the debate stage four years ago and advocating late term abortion and and Northern saying you can kill it even after it comes out. And it's like, I think I mentioned the other day, this lady on CNN, like ranting like a lunatic about how it's not a human life. It's not a human life. Like that level of callousness about, Infants again, up to nine-month pregnancies, full-grown babies. Why would any, Why would it surprise anyone that the left, you know, would would forcibly sterilize or you know advocate, you know, put these Planned Parenthood facilities in the most uh, you know in the poorest and most uh, vulnerable communities, and you know take this, uh, you know, these these one child or, or no child. Uh, sort of policy position and if they're willing to do that to babies why does anybody doubt for one second that they won't follow suit with every communist, you know communist revolution in, in world history meaning you know the the murder of tens right. of thousands to tens of millions of dissidents every like, one of
0: them same Mao, stalin all of them mussolini millions of people dead uh there's no other way to do it you have to reduce the population and you have to get rid of the The distance the group think that doesn't support your initiative
1: yeah yeah and they'll be and they'll be like thanos they'll be able to defend it all in the name of a greater better overall society going forward Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. i'm telling you man like they can they can warp their way into justifying any atrocity
0: man i'm gonna give you one because i listed a bunch of countries that that were also had implemented over the last half century these these population control uh, measures but did you know that U- the UK is in in this realm as well?
1: As far as what? what uh, so
0: they have what? a they have a their pro two child policy. Oh. As as of uh, 2015 they so they give you tax cuts and benefits for the first two children only. And after that, they're, you know, if you have a third child, you know, no benefits. So you know, yeah. and that's on its, face, on its
1: on its face I could look at that and say <clears throat> Uh, the government has to have, yeah. You know, here's the way i say that. I like that better than incentivizing making more babies by saying we'll give you more and more welfare checks the more sure. babies you have. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you know, it's it's build, far less atrocious, or it, it, like you said, you have less problem with it than than saying. Well, but but it is an intr- it's a dramatic intrusion into the lives of their citizens, and you know, any subjects. good old look at. <laughs> any slippery slope argument applies right Right. what's next although you know again i may balance that by saying if the difference is government benefits being provided and then ultimate you know and then cut off at a certain point i mean i guess i would argue what was with the government benefits in the first place but you know we get tax breaks here in the united states for yeah um you know basically each child that we have so uh Like I said, it, it, it's a trend that kind of goes in a certain direction. And I, I, yeah. while on its face, I don't think that sounds horrible. Um, I do wonder, you know, what, what, what you know, how, how far from there is, okay, you're just not allowed to have more than two children.
0: Sure, sure. You know, but we've referenced mandate. before that kind of like California takes its cue from Europe progressiveness, and then the rest of the U.S. takes their cue from California and then on the East Coast, New York. Uh, so, just wanted to point out that there are first world countries that have you know implemented something like this, not as far you know as extreme as putting an unwanted i u d in a woman 's reproductive system, but um, you know like you said what 's the next step i don 't know uh, yeah well i mean <laughs> uh,
1: to me uh, you know sending teenage teenage girls out to get testosterone therapies for their transition and then deliberately hiding it from their parents um, sounds like a step beyond what you just said to me. So, you know, uh, some of these things are, are, are being done. And, you know, those proponents may claim it's got nothing to do with, with population control, but that certainly seems to be one of the beneficial outcomes for those who think that we're um, you know, that, that every every added person should be looked at as just uh what what do they contribute to global warming
0: sure but it's so different though because when um my lovely wife aaron she had to have a c section for the twins like because one of them was breached and she did not want to do that she had henry with just completely natural no uh um, epidural no epidural oh yeah no nothing just natural and i'm like woman what why do you want to go through that hell she did she want to do the same thing with the twins, but the doctor was like, "You're you're going to have to have a C-section." This is like the week before the scheduled delivery, and she's like, "This is you, you could deliver the first one, but the second one you're probably still going to have to have a C-section, and then your body's just going to be completely wrecked in every way." So finally, you know, through tears, she agrees to have the C-section, and they, the doctor, hands me the first one, hands me Stella, hands me the next one, and he's like, "So are we going to tie her tubes?" I was like why are they not already tied we you look we have three kids now yes you can't <laughs> tie them up fast enough <laughs> where you look at china and they're like they, they're like you know these women are just having it done against their will uh, totally opposite end of the spectrum but uh but yeah like i said i wanted two she wanted three god I had a sense of humor what brought up this whole conversation for me and i sent you this text it was a billboard that someone had Uh, sent me a picture of it. I believe it was from, it looked like it was from downtown New York, but come to find out these billboards are all over New York subways, uh, downtown Chicago, um, also all over the West coast. And it was from one planet, one child, this organization, uh, which is, you know, I found it disturbing. It it basically said the greatest gift you can give your kid is to not have another one. And I want to play you this clip off of their, youtube channel um because i think it's pretty telling and disturbing at the same time
2: okay so here it is i have a beautiful vision of a future in which every child is loved and has a life of opportunity plenty of jobs food fresh water and affordable housing whether it's the climate crisis reservoirs dropping deserts expanding species extinction, or crowded freeways, truly solving today's most urgent crises requires we address the root cause. We all know the world is overpopulated. Some are afraid to admit it. Some want to profit from it. And the rest of us, maybe we've been afraid overpopulation is just too big a problem to solve. What if I told you there is a way to solve overpopulation? Humanity has been busy for the past 60 years demonstrating we can do the one thing that will solve the problem. We have been shrinking our families. In 1960, the average family had five kids. Today, the average is almost down to two. Problem solved? Not quite. We started too late and we moved too slowly. Today we're nearing 8 billion and we're still adding 84 million to the planet every year. If we don't pick up the pace on the small family solution, we could hit 11 billion by the turn of the century. That wouldn't be pretty. So at World Population Balance, we're proposing a more beautiful path. If we can rapidly alert the public and rally a worldwide effort to voluntarily choose one-child families Look what happens. Instead of 11 billion people in 2100, we're near 4 billion, half of today's population. Isn't
0: that beautiful?
1: I mean, that pretty much says what we're, what we're getting at is about <laughs> as directly as it possibly could. I love that whole, uh, that part where he's like, yeah, we, we started to fix it, uh, but we're way too late. You know, there's that there, that good old fear mongering. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, while, while you were playing that, I, I looked something up real quick. I had this notion that maybe some of this might be in the green new deal Mm -hmm. doesn't look like it is however the green new deals chief sponsor comrade Mm -hmm. Ocasio-Cortez in an article dated February 25th 2019 says quote there's scientific consensus that the lives of children are going to be very difficult this due to climate change right? And it does lead young people to have a legitimate question. Is it okay to still have children? And basically the gist of this uh, article is um, she, she asks it, she, she questions it as an ethical question. Is it ethical for people to have children given climate change?
0: Uh, I think that sounds like birth strike. You know. I,
1: man, I saw something earlier
0: today. That British thing we just talked about. Right. I saw something earlier today that
1: it said like that some feminist was uh calling for uh, like was the word eradication of men elimination of men something to that effect, and it's like do y'all just want to be the last people is that is that the goal or that we just end the entire species what <laughs> what do you mean eliminate uh, anyway dude oh I,
0: well you you uh i think you saw <laughs> i mean I might have sent it to you or posted it somewhere, but it was uh this this just completely triggered woman who was pregnant and she goes i guess i need to figure out if this is a girl or a boy and if it's a boy i'll just abort it and it said end yeah uh end it was like hashtag end men" or something like that like get rid of men men you know uh like like men are inferior or no longer needed because of how, how, i mean she could have been it could have been a uh, test tube baby for all i know uh but just the, that mindset of if it's a boy i'm gonna abort it how much hate do you have to have in your heart yes i do remember when you sent me that and it was just it's gross. disturbing it was so gross
1: i wondered if it was real but um unfortunately i think it was yeah yeah
0: yeah well so what what is the point of all of this uh i think it goes back to what we've been talking about in modern society from from maoism to where we are today uh it's very different but here in the united states it is the goal of the left and we've talked about it numerous times to break down and destroy the modern family unit get rid of dads uh is is number one and i think controlling the population one planet one child falls right in line with destroying that because think of how there's no bond like a tight-knit family unit right and to destroy it i think you're breaking uh, you're breaking up something that it can't be replicated in any other facet of life yeah yeah i mean you're not gonna find just, that in, in anywhere else in society you, of course you're gonna have friends and uh mentors and things like that but that's not that's not your family unit who do you fall on in the hardest of times so
1: there's been something uh, again that i sort of hinted at a little while back that i've been wanting to um kind of delve into and in a so I, I mentioned off the cuff when we were talking about the vice presidential debate that um that uh senator harris vp elect harris i guess said uh she, she said something about her 20 something year old son yeah. and i you know, i thought it was funny that she couldn't quite remember the the birthday or his, or his age, name I guess. probably no, just yeah saying. well and i and you know i pointed out that it, actually she doesn't have any biological children this is her her husband's children from another, another relationship or another marriage. And, you know, I said, I'd kind of like to touch on that a little bit later. And what I was getting at is I definitely find I have to caveat all this by saying, again, no attack on anybody who doesn't have children, no attack on anybody who chooses not to have children. Uh, Certainly no on attack on anybody who wishes to have children, but can't. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel just tremendous sadness for, for people in that situation.
0: Absolutely. But, my, my mom's adopted by the way. So, you know, I'm, I'm a legacy of, uh, awesome. of people that wanted to have children, but couldn't.
1: Right. Um, and you know, thank God that there are those options out there for those people. But what I'm, what I'm getting at is, <clears throat> it seems abundantly clear to me in interpersonal interactions and then, and then just as a sort of a logical thought exercise that people that don't have children, They just don't have the same worldview as those that do Um, on a number of fronts everything is clean and sort of straightforward comparatively you know to having a house full of kids for people without kids
0: they sounds nice to be honest (laughs) (laughs) looking at my house some days I'm like man why did we do this again uh, sure I mean
1: all the things that you could go do with your wife that you those moments are fleeting that, though, right so. right I mean you wouldn't trade your kids neither one of us would for anything in the world but but well I, I guess what I'm getting at is that until you have children and, and I don't care how you come about them you know ad- adopted whatever right I, in, until you have a small human that lives in your house whose entire existence you're responsible for um, you're the most important person in your life whether you admit that or not, it's right. a fact. They're, they're, I, I, I just would imagine that the vast majority, and I think probably upwards of 90%, if given magic truth serum and 100% honesty, you know, deep in their souls, they, they know that there's probably nobody that they would flat lay their life down for. Maybe a spouse.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe. Um, but any single parent. Would absolutely at least say that they would jump in front of a bullet or a train for their children. Um, they would all say that, I, and I only say say because. You know,
0: and I think I think generally they would all do it. To be frank,
1: I, I, I think the I think the vast majority certainly would, right? Yeah. I, I do think there you know are moments when people just freeze and, and who knows, right? Whatever, the vast majority of parents would absolutely die an excruciating death to make sure their children survived right mm-hmm. and so that puts those of us with kids in a position of having something in the world that's more important than ourselves and and more importantly maybe something that that we bring to the world that not only we find more important than ourselves but but that by design is supposed to live on after us right like I now that I'm a dad I look at my children as a legacy
2: mm-hmm.
1: right my children my grandchildren my great grandchildren that's the only thing i'll leave behind and and i think that's the way m- most parents view children and then humanity you know accordingly right and and so people without children again there are plenty and plenty of great people who do great humanitarian work and this is a gen- you know a generalization right but they don't have that same level of genetic, you know, genetic investment in the future of society. They just don't. They right. can, you know, again, they, they none of them would probably admit it as such, but when they pass on what they'll think of as their legacy will be the things they did in their lifetime. Not what they left behind which will continue to contribute to society in future lifetimes, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. So
1: so I mentioned Harris. As it turns out, I did some Googling in the last couple weeks, and I learned that uh, there are two extraordinarily prominent leftists in American government right now that also don't have any children, and that would be Justices Sonia Sotomayor and Elena Kagan. Staunch leftists on the Supreme Court, no kids. Hmm. Um, It's funny because uh, this is a cohort – and I could probably do some research and, and list, unfortunately, many dozens. It's AOC would certainly be on the list. I'm pretty sure Ilhan Omar doesn't have any children. Um, as far as I know, the whole squad may not, and I'll check on that and could put it in the show notes. But my point is all these people claim to be about the betterment of all of society, but, um, they don't contribute to it, um, in the most real way you can. By producing offspring, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't have what I call this sort of vested interest in the future. Yet they're dictating to all of us who do how we should live, um, what we're allowed to do, drive, consume, and you know, as you've pointed out very clearly throughout this discussion, what we're allowed, how we're how how we're allowed to contribute to, to the human gene pool uh, going forward
0: right i
1: uh, you know some of this i'm really thinking out loud on I, i've had these thoughts and hadn't really had a chance to discuss them so I mean, I
0: mean it's certainly worth pointing out what you've brought to the table here as far as these yeah. people wanting to tell us how we can and cannot procreate that really have no skin in the game so to speak right yeah
1: yeah i, I would love to do a poll of that california teachers association that we we talked about uh, on the Abigail Schreier podcast, um, you know, the the ones who are adamant that parents be kept hidden, you know, that, that their child children's activities be kept hidden from the parents totally for the betterment true. of society. I'd love to have a poll of how many of those, particularly like the lady that, that Schreier got the email from, who was talking about how the uh, the schools should be this like hub of social justice and all that stuff. I'd love to have many know how many of them have children of their own. Um, I just there's just some sort of nexus or connection between not having that vested interest in future generations um, you know through your own offspring your own contribution to it and this uh, this self-righteous belief that somehow you still know what's best for them you know know, like they're sitting there saying they know what's best for our kids I don't, I don't think I've dropped this word on this podcast yet, but fuck you. Anybody who dares try to tell me what's best for my children or my great, my grandchildren or my great-grandchildren. I, or, I try just,
0: to, or tries to indoctrinate them with things that, that you don't want them indoctrinated with. They don't right. have the right to do that. You're their, you're their parent. It's your job. You know what? Um, this is interesting because my son, who is seven, has really – I think it's, it started with the yard signs, the Trump and Biden yard signs in our neighborhood. He's asking about it. And then we get into the election and he asked me, Well, hey, Dad, who are you voting for? And I was like, Well, I'm voting for Trump. And, and here are some of the reasons, very elementary things you can tell a seven year old. Like, um, I'm afraid that if Biden gets elected, you know, things might change for, for the guns, number one. And so we're sitting there talking, ex- trying to explain this thing to a seven-year-old without going into too much detail and i give him the impression that you know we're supporting trump but more so we're supporting freedom i guess the easiest way to sum it up freedom to do this to to believe what we want to have what we want to you know go where we want to go well he ends up talking to my wife and she gets the impression very clearly that he's he's confused as to why anyone would vote for biden um and i said you know maybe i could have done a little better job and and we're actually walking to school to pick them up this was like last week and and i and i started to apologize to her and i said you know what aaron i'm not going to apologize i'm his father it is my job to raise him the way that i want him raised it's my job it's my responsibility and i'm going to teach him what's right and what's wrong and in this election i think it's very clear there's a choice for freedom and there's a choice for oppression. And so I'm not going to apologize for that. You have to, to form a basis for the way you want them raised. At some point in this election, I thought was a perfect way to do that. And, uh, and I, like I said, started to feel a little bad. And then it was like, wait a second, I'm his dad. My dad raised me a, a certain way and I'm going to raise my kid a certain way. And I'm not going to apologize for it. Yeah. I don't think you should.
1: Um, you know, I said there in that uh, discussion of irreversible damage. I, th- I think the single thing we touched on in that entire conversation that I found the most appalling was that a uh, you know a, a teacher, whether it was California or New Jersey, uh, I can't recall, said uh, that that parents' parental rights cease when a parent drops their child off at public school. I I just. Uh, I'm sickened by that notion. I'm sickened by the notion that anybody would challenge your ability to teach your son as you see fit. There will be a a time when he leaves your home and moves out into the world and has a chance to explore and ultimately over time shape and adopt
0: his own worldview. And he will, but you know, when he asked, you like, "Why would anyone vote for Biden?" I, this is how I dumb it down for a seven-year-old. And you know, please, anybody that has more experience—if you've been a parent longer than us—whatever, feel free to shoot us an email. Uh, but I just said, uh, "Henry, they're confused," because you know I don't know how else to say that. I don't want to go into societal issues with the kid, and, and there will be a time and place for that. But you know, I think that was the best way for me. Maybe it was just the easiest way, but that's how I explained. I was like, "Son, they're they're confused on some things." and all we can do is hope that next time our guy wins. Yeah, I mean just go down the list, man.
1: They want to uh, you know, ban oil and gas uh which as I've we've pointed out a number of times uh, is not just what you put in your vehicle to make it go, but also what the soles of your shoes are made out of and your favorite uh jacket and you know this
0: microphone that we're holding is that's a- right
1: and even the solar panels that cover california rooftops all require oil and gas production it's uh it's it's a desire to take us back to the 12th century that uh defunding the police uh calling the nation uh racist to its core and necessary you know, that, it, that, it, that it requires being over you know basically just overthrown and, and restarted aborting children up to nine months of pregnancy uh killing them even after they came out from a botched abortion oh man what else the list uh, goes on and on all things that yeah I dude i mean those are seven year old <laughs> uh, you know those all dude when you read it off like that to me i, I, I say it out loud. say those things out loud and it, i feel like it can't even be right what i'm saying but those are all straight up the policies yeah. of the american left so I, I get where you're coming from, as far as you know how to, how to handle all that with a seven year old but but to me, you, you're right. I mean, the reason that Biden won is because far too many Americans care more about being offended by Trump's behavior than they do about the outcome of all of those policies. and you know, I, I
0: would bet that twenty percent or more twenty percent of the Biden vote probably voted for him just because they didn't like Trump, not because they liked Biden
1: right. And I, but I, what I'm get, getting at is, I think it's election. closer to half of those people, maybe. But yeah, you know, and they were willing to ignore the the clear dementia, right? I mean, which they're still trying to hide, and it's about to become a just a nuclear bomb. Just wait, dude. Just wait until he gets into office. So the my brother,
0: Storm. My brother sent me this uh, this text. He sent it to our group, to our to our family. Like, so my four siblings, my parents, wives of. Uh, my brother and I, and then his wife. So our our entire family. And it's just a bunch of white emojis, faces, and then a black female one. And he goes, and it said, former US vice presidents. And then, and of course the last one's Kamala. And these are all, like I said, emojis, smiley faces. And he's like, this is great progress. And my response to that was, you can call it what you want, but the way that it was done, in my opinion, is nothing to celebrate. This is a woman who systematically destroyed the Me Too movement. She agreed with the people that accused Biden of sexual assault <laughs> up until she was named as his running mate. And then she walked that back. So I was like, so you're, yeah, so great job. The Me Too movement is dead because of her. And also, if she becomes president, which we all think she will, it's not because she got elected. It's because they, they forced her in. Like, they voted for Biden. They didn't vote for her. And they were too blinded by hate for Trump to realize what was actually going to happen like the dementia was just overlooked uh so i think it'll be a time to celebrate when a woman is elected president or becomes president through the you know the normal uh policy the way that we conduct elections in this in this country i don't i don't think kamala harris being vice president is is anything to celebrate to me it's uh it's a shame and we're all going to pay for it
1: yeah well i mean he's He's being ruled by emotions at the moment right he's he's more excited about this social justice progress
0: uh well he's excited you know his about social was Chisholm? his response was you're a white male your opinion doesn't matter and i said oh so typical just like those women whose opinions no it's no Surely he longer was joking right matter. no dude i don't think he was oh. i don't think he was he, he you know when i said when i made my response he's like sigh so disappointing and i was like well sigh those are the facts that's how she got into office and if she becomes president it won't be because America elected her president it'll be because you guys ran a guy with dementia so that you could put her in the back door which is exactly what happened.
1: Yeah and she was so unpopular and her record is so atrocious that she didn't make it to the Iowa caucuses as a candidate in this democratic primary. Uh, You know to to deny that is egregious Um, to be unaware of it and then be out spouting Your you know undying support for her is uh negligent at best right do some damn reading and and look at the dude i was talking with a friend of mine the other day and i was talking about her record on uh you know criminal criminal prosecutions and the person i was talking to googled it while we were talking and within seconds he was sitting there going holy crap
0: 2014 rigging evidence i was like yep there you go we'll have there'll be a lot more to say in her is is She ascends to her throne, which is what she wants. The American people did not vote for her to be president. They voted against Trump and for Biden. Uh, So I'm not... Yeah, well, in fact, the campaign hid her from everybody since the day that she was
1: announced. Literally, they hid her. Google, you know, where is Kamala Harris? And see how many articles are written about the fact she wasn't doing anything on the campaign trail. In fact, the only campaign stop I remember her making, we mentioned on the podcast, was when she went into a Venezuelan restaurant owner's uh, establishment in South Florida and got kicked
0: out. Right, right. Well, it's, they sent her to states that, that they had no chance of winning. Like, she came to Texas. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, not something to celebrate. I, I do not have a problem with a woman becoming president. I want her to be elected in the, uh, the normal form and fashion, though. Uh, not taking the place of a. But basically who's one uh, step away from an assisted living community.
1: Yeah, I mean all I want is uh non communists in the you know oval office or you vice president they have
0: a wiener or not
1: don't care one bit man <laughs> are you a commie or not if you're not a commie I'm with you right. um, and uh, like I said that's part of how I was justifying being open to voting for Hillary Clinton because at least at the time and to said still I don't think she's a staunch socialist she's a capitalist who takes tremendous advantage of capitalism. Right. But, but this woman is, I mean, sun, the Sunday before the election, she released some video where she explained that the goal of America should be that everybody ends up in the quote, same place, equality of outcome versus equality of opportunity. It's not, there's nothing American about that. That's that's Chinese propaganda. I, I you know, I don't, a- I don't, I don't, I <sighs> don't, when, when Obama was elected, I remember watching the results that night and watching his speech, and I remember talking to my mom. Now I would have been, let's see, that was twelve years ago, right? So I was twenty-seven. Your brother's thirty, I think, right? So yeah. he's he's right there in that ballpark. I was twenty-seven years old, pretty much fresh out of law school. I think I'd been out for two, three years, I guess. Uh, working at the working for the government in Texas for the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, um, on probably not surprisingly surrounded by lots of Democrats, um, was bought in hot in you know bought in drinking the kool aid 100% and talked to my mom that night my daughter my oldest daughter was a guest like probably 6 weeks old mm-hmm. she was born december 5th and um or no she was about to be born right during during on election night yeah she was a month away from being born and i was talking to my mom and i literally was like choked up and i said something like i just think it's amazing that m- my daughter will be born in a world where it's like something like it's not a question that a, a black man can become president and, you know obviously that means mm-hmm. that anybody you know it, with our history on race and everything you know w- what progress to your to your brother's point right well fast forward to 39 my sentiments haven't changed I, I want to see you know a female president one day I, I want to see women you're going prefer- to very soon yeah no kidding but yeah <laughs> great point you're gonna get but, your uh rush. to your point uh <laughs> but
0: it's not one that's to be celebrated right which was my point to my brother i was like yeah. i'm not celebrating that uh that was that, that that was forced down our throats that wasn't uh that wasn't the proper means and and yeah. you can see and his everywhere. response you know what what is the left uh, basically i'm not woke and i'm a white male so you know it doesn't my opinion doesn't matter right
1: but my point is he doesn't fight any of your facts with facts he just condemns you and dismisses you and calls you you know <laughs> white you know it, it, that's just there, there's never any debate or dialogue you're just sort a honky right it's just <laughs> name calling and uh
0: yeah. you know belittling um, yeah Yeah. And, and again, and I don't know, maybe my brother and uh, my lovely sister-in-law and don't get me wrong. They come over for dinner all the time. We love to watch the cowboy games together and um, we go on trips. We have a great relationship, but again, no kids. So they're not looking at it through the same veil that I am. And in my day job, it's the same thing with hunting and conservation. Like I want there to be wild places and animals for my kids to enjoy pursuing and seeing and experiencing all of those wonderful things, in the outdoors that, that I believe the creator gave to us, uh, which is why I fight tooth and nail every day for conservation, which the people like that don't have any skin in the game are the ones trying to tell us that we can't hunt, you know, they're not contributing any money. They're, they're nothing. They're just emotionally standing up on uh, a soapbox and telling us just like you said no one's going to tell me how to raise my kids they're telling us how to manage wildlife when they don't have a a freaking clue <laughs> watch my language there <laughs> right right
1: it's really amazing to me how all of these cultural battles um each one in a vacuum can appear unrelated right like like the anti-hunting crowd um you know, would claim that they're about protecting animals lives. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the fact that if you don't slip an arrow or a bullet through their rib cage, some other animals probably going to disembowel them while they're alive, whatever. doesn't right. matter to these idiots. Um, it's about loving animals, right? Um, the the environmental, you know, concerns, uh, screw the humans that that need to be able to eat. We We need to make sure that the, the, these models, these these computer models, never come to fruition. Whatever, it, lim- limiting limiting a, a person's carbon emissions. I mean, that's definitely one of the things foreseen in you know the Green New Deal is limiting individuals' like ability to tra- travel by air, right? So that you you have a smaller carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, I could probably name three or more, four more things if I wanted to sit here and bog the podcast down. My point is, what they all do ultimately is strip people of their ability to fend for themselves right Mm -hmm. um to some extent or another it 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 it, they they take these initiatives in the you know under the guise of of, of protecting something um but at the end of the day they're always geared at um people who know how to take care of themselves and provide for themselves and
0: unlike new york York city you know where they want everything right done for them because it's convenient. That's right.
1: The majority, yeah, the majority of those folks don't live in an apartment in the inner city. You know, I mean, even even the folks in Manhattan that like work in a mechanic shop and stuff like that. I, I bet most of those guys can't afford to live in Manhattan, right? Yeah. And and if they can, more power to them. But it's just that there there is a thread there, and it it makes you wonder if there's some you know, grand puppet master above in charge of all these ideas that that's their goal is to have everyone, you know, reliant on the system so that they can spread their socialism. I I tend to think that that seems to be the case. And they come up with clever, you know, brainwashing techniques to convince subsets of society that these measures are all necessary for, you know, the individual purpose that they state, But but the grander, broader purpose is to make everybody dependent
0: right anyway yeah no absolutely absolutely uh you know it's the same thing incentivize it get them dependent on you and then i mean that's how they keep the cycle going uh i don't know we'll keep fighting the good fight um and we'll keep making babies well we won't but hopefully other people will we're done (laughs) yeah we're tapped out (laughs) i'm definitely out of that business (laughs) but we did our part uh interesting conversation today that is going to do it for episode 12 of Justified Pursuit. You know, I do want to open it up. If you guys have any uh, topics that you think would be a good fit for, uh, for this format, shoot Chisholm or I an email. Uh, you can find me at Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. Chisholm, give your email again.
1: Yeah, use Cook at yahoo.com C-H-I-S-U-M-L-C-O-O-K-E
0: uh, yeah. Perfect, perfect, perfect Well, for Chisholm Cook, I'm Cable Smith Thanks for tuning in to Justified Pursuit and we will see you next time Take time with a wounded hand Cause it likes to hear
2: Take time with a wounded hand Cause it likes to hear Take
1: time with a wounded hand, cause it likes to heal.
2: I like.